0: Hello again, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Fraser and Dieter's Business Speed. I'm John Ray alongside Roger Lesby. Roger.
1: Good morning, John. How are you? Great. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Uh, tax season's over. I just got back from Austin, Texas at a tax conference, so we're loading up with new knowledge and there you go. getting ready for Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, you, you had a great conference. I saw that on social media. You, you all put on a great show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: almost 200 people there in Austin, Yeah, but uh, amazingly it was about 34 degrees in Austin, Texas.
0: That wow. just doesn't happen this early. Wow. Well, um, uh, that's terrific stuff. And uh, folks, Frazier and Dieter, uh, just a reminder, uh, is uh, uh, an outstanding CPA and advisory firm that serves clients uh, across not only uh, Alpharetta, the North Georgia area, but really across the country and internationally with tax planning, estate planning, business tax planning, uh, employee benefit on audits, internal audit, outsourcing, cybersecurity. If you've got a business problem, they can help, Uh, mergers and acquisitions. Let's throw that in there as well. But, uh, the folks at Frazier and Dieter serve clients ranging from business owners to executives to large corporations bottom line is Frazier and Dieter invest in relationships to make a difference. If you want more information, go to FrazierDieter.com. Now we turn to an old friend of all of ours, Carter Barrett. Carter's been around a while and we're here to hear his wisdom this morning. Carter, introduce yourself. Tell everybody about you and what you do.
2: Good morning, everybody. I'm Carter Barrett. I'm the market president for Affinity Bank here in North Atlanta. Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur and a 30-year commercial banker. I started my career June 4 of 1990 with Wachovia Bank on the town square in Cumming, Georgia. Uh, And after spending many, many years being very involved in the community and banking uh, middle market and smaller companies, uh, in 2008, I started my own bank with two of my good buddies uh, from Regents Bank. Uh, We went out into the market and raised $16.8 million from 313 local investors. And uh, we opened in January of 2008. The morning we opened, the Federal Reserve cut interest rates three-quarters of 1%. It was a historically large cut. And the economy promptly uh, fell apart. Uh, So we all looked at each other. and I I literally said, guys, put on your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, We grew our bank from 2008 through 2015. Uh, very successfully, I'm proud to say we were one of the cleanest banks in America. We enjoyed a Texas ratio, which is a metric of, uh, non-performing assets, uh, relative to a bank's, uh, capital and their loan loss reserves. We had a Texas ratio of zero every quarter for seven years. So we were one of the cleanest banks in the country. We were small and simple. And, uh, for, from our perspective, simple is better in business, uh, have a well-defined business plan and stick to it. Of course, be willing to learn some new tricks along the way, but the fundamentals never go out of style. So uh, make sure you hang- have good friends and great CPAs, friends like Roger Lesby, and you will stack the deck uh, in your favor in- to achieve a successful outcome.
1: Yeah, Carter, I'm so so glad that the 2008 year is, is past us. Uh, it was actually May of 2019 that I came out here and helped our firm open up the Alpharetta office. And uh, you know, you were one of the one of the people that I was told that I needed to meet and to get to know. So thank you for all your help over these years.
2: It's been a a, a great privilege. Um, as I'd mentioned before, and on many occasions, people used to say, "Carter, what are you going for in building your bank? Who are you trying to emulate?" And I'd say, "Well, actually, I'm not trying to emulate a bank at all. I'm trying to emulate Fraser and Dieter, uh, as I was always impressed when they decided to come to Atlanta." Uh, north atlanta and plant a flag up here which was kind of out of the ordinary they were having y'all were enjoying just tremendous success in atlanta doing just what you were doing uh and a lot of times people say sometimes when you're winning just keep winning you don't need to change things too much but that was a pretty bold move i thought but more importantly when you got here the way that y'all made a splash and plugged yourselves into the community in such a profound way very quickly always got my attention and y'all always did it much better than we did. I've been here for almost 30 years. And so just that that sort of steady drip approach always worked for us, but I always admired how y'all did it at Fraser and Dieter.
1: Well, thank you, Carter. I mean, this area has got tremendous demographics, as you know, and uh, you've got some new and exciting opportunities that you're working on yourself. So uh, we think that this area certainly has got the uh, the educational and the income levels that uh, can can really, really help.
0: Now, Carter, tell us about what you're up to now. You told us about your past successes, but you're on the way to future successes with some of the things you're working on now.
2: Well, thank you, John. When when we sold our bank in 2015 to Community and Southern Bank, um, I was kind of uh, scratching my head saying, okay, what do you do next? Um, I took a, a hiatus from banking and I uh, formed a company called Dime Capital with two of my very good friends, uh, Grant Schmelk and Ben Haybeck. And uh, the, the basic idea behind that company was, you know, in a banking, you raise a bunch of capital and you borrow a whole bunch of money. But the money you borrow, you really call it deposits. Um, and then you turn around and you invest all that big pile of money into real estate projects and you invest it into small businesses. But the investments you're making, you actually call them loans. I said, guys, wouldn't it be great if we did just exactly what we used to do in the banking industry, but without the bank? So let's go look for real estate opportunities and small businesses uh, to invest in potentially and also to consult with. Sort of the exact same things we did in banking, but we'll do it for our own account. So we actually formed a company called Dime Capital. Um, Dime Capital invests in real estate projects. Uh, we 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 owned a building together with other investors at 44 milton avenue for example uh we own we are partners in a co-working company called thrive co-working uh thrive occupies that building at 44 milton so we're always uh, i guess like larry daryl and daryl that, that <laughs> what was that the new show or whatever right. that was Bob
1: Newhart show <laughs>
2: right anything for a buck yeah but presently in my and my latest uh, uh role i'm i'm now the market president for affinity bank ed cooney is the ceo of that bank it's a about a 19 year old bank headquartered down at Galleria. Ed is one of my very best friends in the banking industry. And um, I think he saw the uh, the benefits of, of doing a lot like Frazier and Dieter did, planting a flag here in North Atlanta as an opportunity to, to diversify their bank uh, geographically and also across customer segments. And uh, so he's he, he allowed me, to, he honored me with an opportunity to come help him do just that. So basically, do what I've done before. Uh, and I'm fortunate in that we, our, 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 our first addition to the bank in North Atlanta was a guy named Andrew Bell from BBNT, and Andrew's just simply fantastic. He's a super connector. He's one of the nicest people you ever met. And frankly, I can't imagine why an entrepreneur or a business owner out there wouldn't bank with an Andrew Bell because he's one of the greatest guys in the world and he would give you the shirt off of his back and he's also super smart. So, uh, um. My my instinct is if you bank with an Andrew or a Carter and an affinity bank, hopefully you'll be, your family will be safer and more secure and you'll be wealthier someday. I predict.
0: Now Carter, you, you've got some, we were talking before we came on the air about, you know, some of the ways that you see business and business working and, 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 how folks get into business, hard charging, and then they inevitably run up on the rocks because life happens, right? Talk a little bit about your thoughts on that and how you help navigate businesses through those inevitable tough times that they run into.
2: Well, John, um, the thing I'm most passionate about in the whole world is is building enterprise value. I'm, I'm kind of funny. I'm not a great golfer, uh, but I do love business. I I dig business, and uh, and how do you take an average business and make it better? Uh, and, and what makes two two companies in the same industry and one's a world beater and the other's just kind of an also ran? Um, and historically, up until two thousand and eight, this is a very forgiving market for business owners. So even the sort of so so businesses tended to do okay up here because it was just such a robust economy. One thing I've observed, though, over time, and it's just kind of got, it, it's a real bee in my bonnet, is the, the difference in valuations in businesses. When I look at Wall Street versus Main Street, I look at a Home Depot that probably trades for 23 times earnings. And then I talk to the small entrepreneur and he says, you know, I'm interested in selling my company, but, but I just don't seem to be getting offers that are attractive enough. I can't afford to sell. As an example, you know, I made three hundred thousand dollars last year and someone's trying to offer me three or four times EBITDA for my company. And I think, well, that's only three times that is only nine hundred thousand, but then I've got to pay capital gains taxes for that for a state and federal. And I've got a I've got a then and the buyer wants me to finance a portion of it. So I have to finance twenty five percent. So I'm gonna leave the closing table. On a $900,000 sale with $450,000, well, heck, I made $300,000 in EBITDA last year. Anyway, I can't afford to sell. And and why does a Home Depot trade for 23 times earnings? And and people are offering me three times EBITDA for my company. I said, well, you do a bad job of telling your own story, and you're probably telling it to the wrong people. Mm. So... How do you build enterprise value? You know, how do you create real wealth? How do you enhance that value? If you can take that three times EBITDA, that three times 300,000 as an example, and turn it into a, and with a turn of the screw here and a turn of the screw there, sort of bring some operational efficiencies. Maybe if you need help driving the top line, driving that, that 300 profit into say a five or a six and drive that valuation up, a $300,000. EBITDA to three-times valuation is worth $900,000. A $500,000 EBITDA at a six-times valuation is a $3 million enterprise value. I would tell you that for most companies out there, that's not a radical top-to-bottom overhaul to do that. That's a turn of the screw here and a turn of the screw there to create those operational efficiencies, maybe drive the revenues, re-energize a management team. To drive those that that bottom line performance up, and then make sure that you're traveling with the right people. You've got the quality of your financial information. For example, are you traveling with a Fraser and Dieter? Are you traveling with your old friend who's a decent, honest, good person? But but they maybe don't have the credibility that a Fraser and Dieter would bring to the table. So how do you take that that small enterprise value and with a turn of the screw here and a turn of the screw there, really enhance that value? And I use that very simple example: three hundred thousand. An EBITDA times three times multiple versus a $500,000 EBITDA and a six times multiple. The delta is $2.1 million between that 900000 and that $3 million. And, and I see those types of companies everywhere. Lately, it's been bothering me, uh, frustrating me because I think, where do you invest today when the Dow is at record highs? Real estate is, is very dear and it's uh, certainly pricey, feels pricey. And you think, what's the last great bastion? I look at the small companies. I look at all the mom-and-pop type companies out there that are going to have to change hands. We all talk about baby boomers. It's really the elephant in the living room as far as I'm concerned, as far as opportunities out there. there these companies are it, – it's the it's the husband and wife who build a great company, when and they start when they're younger. And they've, and they've just absolutely bootstrapped it, but maybe some of the fundamentals that need to be applied to make it go from being a good business that they've bootstrapped and made it a success to making it into a great business by, by putting some basic things in place for succession, for enterprise value. To me, what happens is you I, I, what I'm seeing a lot is that husband and wife team, life happens to us. Sure. You know, we, I'm 55 years old now. I feel different at 55 than I felt at 45. I'm not quite as energetic, not quite as driven as I used to be. Now I'm very driven. <laughs> yeah, I was going to
0: say, I think I'd dispute that business about not having as much energy, Carter. But anyway, you, you, you've got a lot of it right now. I love it. But I, I, I want to, before we lose this point, you've, you're making about a turn of the screw and I like that metaphor. Talk a little bit about what you see with a lot of businesses out there what are some of those uh some of those small improvements in processes that they can make that you you see getting ignored that would help improve ultimate uh bottom line and ultimate valuation
2: i can think through uh, as i think through my in my head about different companies i've dealt with sure most companies don't have Really excellent financial controls. Most companies don't have a Fraser and Deeter. Most companies will have – you'll have a CEO that might have what he considers to be a a competent, quote-unquote, CFO, but it might be a bookkeeper who's been with them a long time that can't do a proper budget, can't do a really great set of projections. Real basic stuff. Um, So financial controls – are you traveling? Do you have a really great value-added type banker who knows your business really well? Do you have a great CPA who really understands your, your company and can also go uh, not, not just here, give me your information and I'll give you back your tax returns? But someone who who is your de facto board of directors, your CPA I, I've got a relative once who said, "You know, I've got a CPA over in Augusta, and you know he's fine. The work's okay. He doesn't cost too much, but you know I don't really like the guy." And I thought, "Well, that's crazy. Your CPA should be one of your closest people. That guy's gonna he he will help guide you into into building your company into a great company. He'll be a guy that will be there. He may help you meet that next company your that next acquisition opportunity for you." You know, familiarity doesn't breed contempt. It breeds familiarity. If you don't like your CPA, you shouldn't – your your wealth management guy, your banker, those those should be your inner circle as an entrepreneur. Those are your go-to people. They are – if you don't have a board of directors, which I always think is a pretty good idea to have a board mm-hmm. of directors. But if you don't, you have in, – in effect, you do have one if you have the right CPA, the right banker, the right insurance guy, the right lawyer certainly. We, Our lawyer at the bank that I've, I ran was a guy named Steve Dunleavy. He absolutely brilliant. Our board used to say, oh, he's too expensive. He's too-. I was like, yeah, you know what? You don't want to use a Ferrari for your daily driver, but it sure is nice to have one in the carport. Sure. Um, well, it sounds like,
0: Carter, you've, you, you're looking at um, the way, st- just stepping back from the financial processes that you mentioned and financial controls you're identifying a problem that businesses have in the way they use their advisors. They don't use their banker, their CPA as a board of directors. They use them as a service provider but not as a, not as a true advisor.
1: Yeah, and some of the things I would add as, you know, as that CPA is the fact that you know, business owners need to understand what their real value drivers are because it differs by industry. And so if, if that company is going to sell based upon gross revenue, then, then gross revenue is important. If it's going to sell on EBITDA, then, then EBITDA is important. And, uh, you know, some of the things that I see is, is they need reviewed or audited financial statements. Uh, if EBITDA is a factor, then, then keep the company clean you know don't have all these adjustments for so-called personal expenses when it comes time to sell because ebitda then is important uh if it's revenue look at who your sales look look at who your sales are going to do i have one or two big customers because if that's the if that's the case they'll probably discount that with respect to any buyer and then the other thing is 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 is, is am i filing in all the states that i need to file because I know that that's a rep and warranty that we usually have trouble with uh, when a new buyer is coming in and, and looking to purchase some businesses. But those would be the things that I would say, does he have key employees under employment contracts that would survive an acquisition? Because that can become important. Uh, does he have the right amount of leverage in finance that he's using within his business? Because that can become important. And so those are some of the items that we see as well.
2: What's interesting is um, not all bankers, not all CPAs are equal. You know, a, a firm like your firm, Roger, has a great depth and breadth of talent so that even if – I know Roger very well. Roger, you're one of the more, most well-read people I know. Uh, you, you're very articulate on virtually any topic I would throw out there. Um, but I know that if you don't know the answer, you have tremendous resources there in your firm that that I can I can hit you with just about anything and you may not give me the answer right away but you'll you'll have access to it in short order i always use a a a metaphor you know if you're trying to sell a company if i were selling a company today it, uh, the metaphor i use is imagine you're walking down the cliffs along the cliffs of dover in england and it's a foggy rainy day thick as pea soup you can't see three feet in front of your face you need to walk 500 feet from the edge because you don't want to fall over but on a bright clear blue sunny day you can walk two feet from the edge and you'll be just fine as an entrepreneur and a business owner a person should always uh, thrive to have it be a bright clear blue sunny day in other words if i'm positioning my company to sell someday I want to make sure that they can look at what I'm selling and have tremendous confidence because that's going to affect how much they're going to pay me for the company someday, my enterprise value. So the quality of my financials, there's a credibility, a transference of credibility. When I'm associated with a Fraser and Dieter or a great CPA firm like that one, uh, or a, 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 and, and my lawyer is that person in town that is just so smart and so well-regarded. You know, in our in our bank at Community Business Bank, we had a Superior Court judge for our chairman. He was simply a fantastic chairman, but it also sent a message to the world. I think sublimely, this is how we're going to conduct ourselves in business. That I, I intentionally, I, I was very pleased to have a Superior Court judge as a chairman. He was just a tremendous chairman, had that wisdom of Solomon thing. But the goal for every business owner ought to be: build a company like you're going to have it for five generations don't build it just to sell it but build it like you're going to keep it for five generations the irony is when you build a really good company you won't be able to stop people from approaching you to try and buy it from you 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 have a lot of flexibility but to, that proverbial uh, bright clear blue sunny day is about when a when a suitor is looking at your company that they can have great confidence in what you're presenting that they if if they're paranoid or insecure because the financials are not clear they're going to discount, discount, and discount. When I show up and I and I have really excellent quality financials, I have an audited financial statement from a Frasier and Dieter or something like that. They're going to be able to rely on those financials, so they're not going to feel the need to hedge and hedge and hedge. It's going to that's going to result in me getting the top dollar. You know, the, when I sell a company, when a company is sold, unless it's selling to a publicly traded company, the value, the price that they're going to get is largely <laughs> a function of the financing. In the middle, well, who better to help with the financing than the banker that's already dealing with the company? People often say, Carter, I'd like to buy this company. Could you give me your advice? Which bank should I go talk to? And my immediate answer is you want to go talk to the bank that's already banking them. If they've got a good banker, that guy's going to know that company really well. And if it's a really good company, he's not going to want to lose that customer. He's going to want to finance the acquisition so he can keep the customer. But he's going to know the company really well, and he'll know the inherent capacity of that company and its cash flow and how much debt it can service. So the banker will be more bold in how much he can lend to help the buyer buy that company. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Carter,
0: I think what you're outlining here is that for folks that, uh, again, business owners that treat their bankers is simply a place to do a transaction, a place to make a deposit, to get a loan. You're talking about using your banker as an advisor. So uh, you've been in banking a long time. Give business owners uh, suggestions on uh, what they need to look for in their banker in terms of uh, looking for that advisory relationship instead of a transaction relationship.
2: And and every bank that I've ever Uh, worked in or run i was as the ceo of our bank and founder and director we used to have a a philosophy at our bank the banker our bankers should be the most well-informed and most well-connected bankers they know in the market if there's a piece of dirt moving and some yellow equipment out there moving stuff around we ought to know about it we should know who's doing it and what they're doing we ought to be super connectors because there should be a burden of friendship Being friends, hey, Roger, good to see you. Let's go to a ball game when everything's going great. Well, that's all well and good. But if I'm really your friend, I should actually give a darn about you. I should care about your family's security. I should care about your future. I should help you make a better living. There should be a burden of friendship, which means I'm going to actively go out and look for opportunities for you. And I get great joy. Uh, Guys like you, if I can make an introduction for guys like you, and and y'all and and stir the pot and y'all create opportunity amongst yourselves man nothing makes me happier than that so you want a yeah. banker who is actually absolutely proactive he's working to plug you in to get you better connected now we we we
1: and that and that's huge for that business owner and and to me that matters that means a whole lot more than a quarter of a percentage point on an interest rate
2: to, ha, hallelujah to that um you, you want to talk about what's expensive. What's expensive is having a bad banker and a bad CPA and a bad attorney and a bad uh, insurance guy. The, the opportunity cost of, of having bad advisors with you, you have no idea what you're giving up on the upside. Having a great advisor, whether it's your, any one of those guys or ladies, is you're better connected. You'll have a richer, fuller life. Not just financially, literally. Your family will be safer if you're traveling with the right people. Why would you not avail yourself of the smartest people you can find uh, to, who are absolutely connected that were, are, are absolutely committed to your success and not just order takers? There are people that I know that Roger Lusby knows so many things that I don't know. Why on earth would I not have that guy on speed dial? So that he can advise me. I, am, I, I can honestly say I've got many – I have different CPAs for different uh, businesses and different investments. I'm absolutely a customer of Frazier and Dieter, and I have tremendous confidence when I get tax returns from Fraser and Dieter because I know what a good job they're going to do. I know I can rely on them, and I'm going to feel more secure when my tax return is all bundled together and ready to go. I can absolutely rely on those financials from Frazier and Dieter. So why would you? Why on earth would you not avail yourself of people in your in your inner circle who are absolutely connected, absolutely committed, and super duper smart? You'll get richer because of it.
1: So just taking a, a slightly different turn, Carter. What does your crystal ball say for the economy over the next year or two? yikes <laughs> what a tough was question. that a good yikes or a bad yikes it's just it's a
2: generic uh, across the board yikes yikes in that it's a tough question i mean we
1: just had mm-hmm. the dow cross twenty eight thousand, uh, uh, another record um most businesses that i know are having fairly good years i still don't think it's like 2007 when when every business regardless of industry was doing fantastic but uh, yeah, I always like to hear your thoughts.
2: I feel great about the economy for the next several years, uh, barring that black swan event that none of us are seeing right now. But and those do happen. And I think that the main thing is uh, one of my favorite words in business is elasticity. I want the people that I'm associated with in business to thrive in any environment. I want them to do well when the economy is ripping. And I want them to do well when the economy is not ripping. And that means putting uh, – building in margins of protection for yourself so that you can sustain yourself in any environment. Something I don't necessarily do but I, but I fully am committed to doing is having a generally optimistic attitude. Individuals and families I think should look at their own situation like universities do. They're not thinking about next year. Well, they, they certainly think about next year, but they're also thinking about 100 years out. Families and, and entrepreneurs should think that way as well. Don't be afraid to take risk. I've, I've been too conservative. I did have a very clean bank. I, you know, I'm pretty cautious, pretty conservative. It served us well during that very strange environment. But I'm also a believer that, that people should be optimistic. You know, build in – margins for error so that you can sustain yourself during the 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 tough times but don't be afraid to act um you know i find that you know objects in motion tend to stay in motion in business try things don't be afraid to take risk when you're wrong usually you're pretty smart people you'll miss by two feet not by two miles
1: and and you can usually tell early if you're wrong
2: absolutely so don't be afraid to take risk just 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 Build in mitigating factors to allow yourself to take the risk. Um, I feel very optimistic about the economy. What I'm not so confident about is where do you invest today to get a good return? Things are, things are uh, fairly energetic on the real estate front, on the stock market. I'm trying to think, Roger, where would you put a million dollars in cash today and I, I would challenge you with that question.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always the great question. I mean, historically, we've still been adding to uh, equity positions in the market. But, uh, you know, most people know that the market is at an all-time high. So they're cautious. But that probably is very good in the fact that it's not going to plummet because there's so many people that are cautious about it. So usually when it plummets and catches everybody by surprise, nobody is talking about it. Nobody's looking for that. And uh, so that's been kind of interesting. But I would say to you that uh, I still think the best place to put money is to invest that money in yourself and, and in your knowledge and in your education and then probably within your own businesses. And uh, to me, that's what's always had the greatest return.
2: I would add I would add one thing to that. And in your relationships, there's tremendous power in your Rolodex that people sometimes forget to harvest. In the world, there are idea people on one hand. There are resource people on the other hand. And if you're an idea person, you have a prolific great new mind for ideas and you're creative like that. You might have two ideas a day or two a week. But you might be, well, I don't have any money. Boy, it'd be great, but I don't have any money. Well, for heaven's sakes, get some money, people, in your Rolodex. If you're a guy who's got resources, but you're not all that creative, don't have great ideas, get some idea, people, in your Rolodex. We're here on the 400 Corridor in North Atlanta. There are acres and acres of diamonds up here. Entrepreneurial opportunities everywhere. It's better if you're not sitting on your sofa all the time, but out there mixing it up, hanging out with other smart people. You'll be shocked at the opportunities that will present themselves, uh, whether it's real estate or small business. But you've got to be in the game, and there's tremendous power in your rolodex. So, uh, and Andrew Bell actually in our bank does it better than anyone I know. He's he is an object in motion. He never stops. He's always meeting someone new. He's he's energetic. He's optimistic, and he's always connecting people uh, like I've never seen. And so I, I I shudder to think of the ripple effect of those behaviors and what that will do for so many other people and the opportunities those will create.
1: But as an individual, you have to get yourself in the position that when those opportunities come, you can take advantage of them. And, uh, you know, to me, uh, as an older professional now, when I can look back, I realize how important that is because opportunities are going to come your way, you just need to be in a position where you can take advantage of them.
2: Spoken like a great banker. <laughs> <laughs> what could have been? <laughs> but Roger, as a CPA, you're 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 a pretty entrepreneurial guy as CPAs go. I mean, you're you you like to invest in things that are. Uh, I mean, you 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 don't just advise people. You you are you were an active participant. Yeah, I I think
1: that's true because I think that's fun. I think that's exciting. Uh, you, you learn more about that. And, and as I said, it's, uh, it's another outlet for where to invest that money. Um, and so I think that that's been, I think that that's been a, a, a good success story for me personally.
0: Well, this has been great. And, uh, uh, I think the conversation about relationships is gold for folks out there. So this has been uh, great. Now, Carter, for those that uh, have heard something they want to follow up with you on that would like maybe like to know more about Dime Capital or Affinity Bank that you're affiliated with, uh, tell them how to be in touch.
2: Um, my phone number is 404-964-7925. I carry that everywhere I go. If the voicemail is full, I'm sorry. I'll do better at clearing that out. Um, and my email is cbarrett at com.
0: Well, this has been great. Carter, thanks for being with us.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been great fun.
0: Thank you, Carter. Roger, this has been the perfect show for a firm that present, uh, Fraser and Dieter that invest in relationships to make a difference, right? I mean, because right. that's that was the theme of this
1: show. And it's so true. Yeah. I mean, it's so true.
0: Great stuff. Roger, let's do it again next month. We'll do it. Okay. I'm John Ray. And for, Roger Lesby, join us next time on, and for another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat.